Welcome to the Christ Community Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. Our mission is to live the way of Jesus so we can leave the world better than we found it. If you'd like more information about our church, you can click on the link in the show notes or head to Christ-community.com. All right, let's get started. Today's scripture is read from Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had done, he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Santa Grace. Um, All right, let me pray for us before we dive into the preaching of God's word this morning. Lord, uh, thanks for meeting us here. Uh, Thanks that uh, whenever your people gather in your name, uh, you tell us that you are here among us. And uh, we are uh, either in all of that uh, or often not really fully aware of it. And so I would ask, would you make my heart aware of that this morning? that you are here with us. Would you make my heart uh, aware of your good news this morning? You tell us uh, that the gospel is your power, Lord God, uh, to those who are being saved, uh, both to Jews and to Gentiles. And so uh, we ask that you would make our hearts ready for the good news, that you would uh, uh, press the good news into our hearts as we are here together. Lord, uh, let us not leave unchanged, but let us interact with you with your spirit, the living God. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, Well, so we're diving in this morning again to our series we're calling Rooted. We're in Genesis. Obviously, Anna Grace read that already. uh, And we're talking about it in terms of Genesis roots us. God uh, roots us in some things uh, that he wants for his people right? Uh, Right understandings of who he is, Uh, right understandings of our purpose and where to find life. And we're going to talk a little bit this morning as well of he roots us also in uh, some rhythms, uh, some story, et cetera, to give our, our life structure as we are pursuing him and walking in his calling. And so week one, uh, we talked about creation itself, just that God has created. He spoke it all into existence there at the beginning. And we said, hey, God uh, created in order to love. We heard echoes of the gospel in that. And then last week, we talked about how God made humanity in his image. And so therefore gave us a calling as well, to image him uh, in the world, and, and those who trust in Christ Jesus, then the perfect self-image of God, uh, then are called into bringing him into this world, his love, his forgiveness, his beauty. We talked about how uh, even our workplaces uh, are opportunities for us to bring God's image to bear, right, as we creatively rearrange the raw materials of earth for human flourishing. And so today we're looking at this concept of rest, of Sabbath uh, that was in uh, Genesis 2 here in the first few verses. And so re- reminder here as we dive in, remember that Genesis is a story. 
We've said this each week. I want to just keep reminding us, God is telling uh, this story through Moses to his people, Israel, as they are wandering in the desert uh, after the Exodus. They've come out of Egypt, uh, and God speaks his word, his law, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, to them in this moment. And so this is not, Genesis is not raw data for us to use uh, in our agendas. It's highly symbolic, highly symbolic. That does not make it any less real or true, by the way. In fact, uh, it may be more real or true than a lot of the things that we tend to lean our lives on. But it is highly symbolic, and there is a lot of mystery within it. And so we want to live within the tension of saying, hey, this is real and true, and there's some mystery and symbolism uh, within it. And we've compared it to knowing God, (laughs) you're never going to comprehend everything there is to know about God, even in eternity. That's not doable, right? And yet, you can really know God. Uh, We may never know fully every nuance of the book of Genesis, and yet, we can know what it's about. We can. Uh, We can know what God is rooting us into here. And so, let's enter this story The first thing we see is that God works. God tells us that he works right there in that first part of verse two. So uh, what we see here is uh, he works, we work. God tells us that he works. uh, And so we see that we work there as well. And so again, we looked at this before, but we are in his image. So building on last week and seeing that God works, that means uh, we're in his image. And so we are imaging or reflecting or projecting the beauty, the goodness of God to the creation. And then he also gives a command. We saw that one uh, last week as well, right? Fill the earth, uh, have dominion over the earth as well. And so uh, we are called into work. Humanity is called into work from the very beginning. Uh, And I I just think of it in terms of like watching a parent, watching your father work, perhaps, right? You remember the, uh, this was uh, the golden book when I was a kid that uh, we had around the house that I think was like from when my parents were kids as well. So it was pretty tattered. I don't know if you have this one or not, but We Help Daddy uh, was a little storybook of these little kids who follow their dad around the yard and pick up sticks and do different things, right? And uh, and there's there's We Help Mommy as well. And uh, so, you know, it is uh, very gender stereotyped, but you get what I'm saying, right? Uh, And uh, it's good, isn't it? Like, uh, I, it's good to watch your parents work and to learn to, to follow in those footsteps, right? Uh, like, I want my kids to, to see me work. Uh, it's good. They're called into work themselves. Uh, and so I, I want them to see me do it. I want them to see me work hard. I want my kids to see me enjoy work as well, right? I, don't, I, do, I want my kids uh, to learn as they are watching me. I want them to know something about me as they may even step in alongside of me. There's one of them, I'm not going to tell you which, but that one follows me around a lot and says, need help, dad? We need help with dad, Uh, regardless of whether the uh, uh, task is ridiculously too hard to have a kid involved in or or not. Uh, That one will just follow me around and uh, try to get involved. And there really is something to that. I was not that kid, by the way. When my dad went and did work, I was like, peace, I'm going to play some Nintendo, uh, right? Uh, 
but I learned something from him as he follows me around. Oh, I said it was him. So it's Shepard. Uh, <laughs> trying to get away with it. Uh, but, you know, Shep follows me around and says, can I pick up sticks? Can I do this? Can I do that? Uh, and I, it, it's about relationship for him, you know? He's learning about his dad uh, as he follows along and does uh, the same things. And uh, that makes me wish like I had been more of that kid <laughs> when I was little as well. But uh, we see something here, right? God works, we work, and God is showing something to us about himself, inviting us into something uh, in that. That's why we have a calling partially, right? So second thing is just God tells us that he rests. Real simple points this morning, huh? Uh, God tells us that he works. God tells us that he rests there in the second part of verse two. On the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. This one is fascinating though, right? Uh, God's working probably feels a little obvious to us. And nothing could exist if God didn't work on some level, right? Uh, and, and But God rests somehow. The God who, uh, the scriptures say, holds all things together by the power of his word every moment of every day tells us, tells them that he rests. Why? Uh, he does not rest from all things, does he? I, mean, I just said he, he holds all things together literally every second of every day. Uh, and he is outside of time anyway. <laughs> he rests from the creation. He says he finished it. And so, again, he's teaching. He's teaching. That's why he tells them and therefore tells us that he rests. What do you do when you're teaching? You talk. Right? You talk while you're doing. Mr. Rogers is the greatest example of this. You get a little picture of him feeding the fish. Didn't he say it every time? Every time he fed the fish, didn't he tell you he was feeding the fish? <laughs> We're going to feed the fish. I'm going to take my jacket off now. I'm going to put on my slippers, <laughs> whatever it was. He like narrated as he went along through his little show uh, what was going on and what he was doing because he thought of himself uh, as a teacher. He thought of himself actually uh, as a teacher of more than just uh, the day-to-day -day life. He thought of himself as a, a teacher on a spiritual level as well, actually, which is interesting, right? And so uh, you think about teaching, narrating as you go. Right. If you you think about uh, some leadership paradigms and like coaching people up into new roles, new tasks, the the uh, the way that you're coached to do that basically is, uh, I do, you observe, we talk. Right. Uh, then uh, I do, you help, we talk. We do, we talk. You do, I observe, we talk. Uh, and then later, you do. Uh, someone else observes, you talk. And you notice that all along the way, that's what it looks like to hand off and develop uh, folks into new roles, leadership, et cetera, is uh, I'm doing it and I'm talking to you while I'm doing it. Now I'm gonna hand it off to you. I'm not gonna let go yet. We're gonna talk while we do that. Now I'm gonna let go. I'm gonna just watch you. We're gonna talk, right? That's what God is doing. That's what God is doing in this. Uh, he's talking about what's going on in order to bring his people uh, into something here, into this rhythm. Third thing is this. God tells us that there is a day set aside due to his resting. And you see that I didn't have an observation at the front, and I blew through my first two points pretty fast. That means I'm going to rest here a while, okay? Uh, God says in verse 3 uh, that he blessed the seventh day, 
made it holy, which remember that word holy, we've talked about a few times this past year, but it just means set apart. It just means other. And so he set apart this one day, uh, blessed it, made it holy because on it he rested. And so uh, he says, here's what's happening. This day is set apart. It's blessed. It's for a specific purpose. And it is rooted in the reality that God finished his work. That's the reason. So he rests, we rest. He works, we work. He rests, we rest. Think about just the reality that our bodies are designed to shut off from conscious operation for like a full third of our existence. And if you count college, like it's more than a third, isn't it? Our our bodies are designed to shut off physically, right? At least the conscious operation. We know hopefully it keeps going while we're asleep, but uh, that's wild, isn't it? There's something to this. There's something more than just physical rest as well. There is a liturgical, uh, spiritual symbolism that God is purposefully speaking, that Moses is purposefully speaking to his people here in the desert as they are going to step into their promised land as a nation, right? To be in the rhythms and rooted into the beliefs, the practices, et cetera, that God has for them to be unlike any other, to be holy, to be uh, his image in the world, bringing this reality of the good news to the world. And so that's what's going on. That is what Genesis 1 and 2 is about, right? Uh, There's something spiritual. There's something uh, about worship, and even uh, liturgical. So you could think of it as like worship servicey as well. Eden, the garden uh, into which the man and woman were placed is a temple. Eden is a temple. Uh, Gordon Wenham, a uh, brilliant uh, scholar, points out just the, the multiple examples of parallel between Eden and the tabernacle. And again, when you consider that all of this information is being given to God's people in the same context when they're about to uh, come into the promised land, when they're putting up the big old tent tabernacle where the presence of God is going to be, where God rests among his people there, it's purposeful, right? Eden is a temple, uh, there are multiple examples as well of, of parallels between this storyline here in Genesis and the priestly duties uh, that God is giving to his people in Leviticus as well. It's about worship. Right? And, and historically, many temples of various religions have had this sense of uh, the creation itself is supposed to be a temple. The creation itself is supposed to bring us into the worship of God. Now, it's been broken by sin, right? But even, again, Romans 1 echoes that to some degree, that uh, in the creation, we can see some things about God. It's supposed to uh, be the place into which humanity is imaging God, is leading all of creation in a big old worship service, right? Uh, And so there's a few pictures uh, that I'd love for you to just peek at. One of the best examples of, it's not quite a temple, but the uh, La Sagrada Familia, uh, it's not a cathedral either exactly. I guess it's just a 
church building of some sort that's been in construction for like 120 years or something. Um, Anthony Gaudi uh, started to build this in Spain a whole long time ago, and people are still, to this day, uh, just chipping away at his crazy design. And the interior of it is fascinating in particular, as Gaudi is uh, super influenced by the natural world. And so you're seeing columns that are unlike the columns of any other church building you've ever seen. <laughs> There's really no right angles within this entire building. Uh, and then you look up and see the ceiling of it as well. And that, the entire thing is echoing the creation because the creation is echoing the glory of God. We get it. And it's, it's kind of like hardwired into us that this is the place for us to worship. And so uh, what God is saying then is, as he finishes the creation, as he puts man and woman into uh, the garden as the capstone of creation, who are there to image him even better than the creation to all of the creation, he says, but there's a day for rest. There's a day for rest. I give you a calling, but there's a day I'm setting aside, right? And so he's saying there, and your rest is in worship. Your rest is in worship. Your physical body, I mean, rests. You can't do much about it. <laughs> it's gonna shut off at some point, right? Now, you may also need to put some good boundaries in your life and maybe not be a workaholic, things along those lines. So we need a little more than just sleep to actually rest, don't we? But what God is saying here is uh, uh, on a level of spiritual rest. You rest in the worship of me. It's what you're designed for. But this is what the six days are all about. This is what the six days uh, in the book of Genesis are all about. There's a, a book I read a couple of years ago that was super helpful in sort of helping me uh, have some some clarity on this. He's a guy named Michael Lefebvre who wrote it. Uh, it's called uh, The Liturgy of Creation. I would suggest it. It gets real nerdy real fast. Uh, so it is not, it's not uh, quite a devotional read, but if you are interested in digging into some things like this, uh, this is a, a guy who's a scholar of uh, Old Testament and ancient Near Eastern law in particular. Uh, and he talks about how ancient Near Eastern law was established in and through narrative, story. And so remember, we talked about the Pentateuch a lot last year and talked about how it's all law. The first five books are all law. And I've talked about how Genesis is story. And the answer is yes. <laughs> it's both and. Uh, God is telling his people a story in order to root them in his law. And so Michael Lefebvre applies uh, legal interpretation to all of the Pentateuch. And unlike some, um, he really takes the words of the scripture very, very seriously uh, and does not blow them off in order to merely embrace uh, sort of an atheistic, humanistic understanding of uh, the cosmos. Uh, and so what he says is, this is what it's about. Now, perhaps God created uh, everything literally in six 24-hour periods. But what it's talking about is not that. What it's talking about is a calendar. 
right? That's what Genesis uh, is telling us uh, in these six days. There are multiple other spots throughout Genesis and the rest of the Pentateuch uh, where days and times uh, appear ordered uh, in order to order, <laughs> right? Uh, and so let me give you some examples even from our current world that Lefebvre uses that I think are, are really helpful, right? Uh, George Washington was born on February 22nd. The holiday of Washington's birthday is the third Monday of February. Uh, and sometimes we call it President's Day, but technically the holiday is called Washington's birthday, right? Easter. If you know exactly when Easter was, let me know, by the way. But we celebrate Easter the first Sunday after the full moon uh, on or after the spring equinox. Is that complex enough for you there? Whew, okay. And what do we say on Easter? Christ the Lord is risen today. Today. It's like, nope, not in 2023. I mean, yes, you could use the word is. And, right? But we're saying Christ the Lord is risen today. We are reliving the story. And that is what God is calling people into in the seventh day. That's what this is about, right? Uh, it's a liturgical calendar. It's a, a holiday, a holy day in which to relive the story of God. And so every Sabbath is a holiday in order to rest and worship him. Uh, and, and we relive an even better story than what they had, don't we? They relived uh, the creation and God's promise to undo the curse one day. And because uh, they're receiving this in the desert, they're also receiving that uh, forerunner of the good news in God's deliverance of his people from Egypt through the Red Sea, right? That's what they're reliving, and that's real good. There's some good stuff there. Uh, but we relive all of it. Like, we relive the creation. Like we said a couple weeks ago, God created to love, and then after the fall of humanity and our choosing to be our own gods in Eden, we relive the reality of redemption that God uh, did not merely send or create in order to love and then say like, well, guess y'all sinned, party over. No, he sends Jesus to redeem. He sends Jesus to save. And so Jesus fulfills the law perfectly to give you his perfect record of righteousness, even his perfect Sabbath observance, by the way, right? And we relive the promise of the consummation every week. All will be made new, like Eden, but better one day. And we're called into uh, that creative rearranging of earth for people's flourishing as well. And so uh, we're called into this Sabbath weekly, this holiday weekly, to remember that our true Sabbath is Jesus himself, right? Jesus is our true and better Sabbath. And God's rest shows us that he finished the work that we needed at creation and in Christ, and it teaches us to rest in him. Even the first commandment, think about this, fill the earth. God had to fulfill that on behalf of his people. 
This, that's part of the story that uh, they received there in the desert as well, right? The patriarchs who had gone before them. Abraham and Sarah were old, old, such that uh, Sarah receiving a prophetic word that she was going to have a child that would one day turn into the nation of Israel made her scoff, <laughs> made her laugh. Like, that ain't happening. <laughs> God himself. Uh, fulfilled the very first command, even to fill the earth on behalf of his people. They had to rest and wait on him. And they had to rest uh, uh, amidst the weirdness of infertility as well, right? I mean, year after year after year, they've been told, hey, you're my people, and there's a great people that's going to come in and from you, but then, God, what are you doing? Being in like young adult and young family ministry, I've walked with a whole bunch of folks who have wanted uh, to have children biologically and for a while or for uh, ever, they have not been able to. I've yet to meet one who really shared with me who did not feel on some level like it was their fault. Uh, maybe, maybe I messed around too. I was promiscuous when I was younger. Uh, I, I messed around with pornography and now God is judging me. Over and over again, I hear these things, right? I don't know what Abraham and Sarah's struggles uh, may have been, but, but my experience uh, tends to tell me that I bet they felt judgment. I bet every single day that she was not pregnant, they felt like a curse. And yet God called them to wait on him, to rest in him. And he fulfilled the promise. The work of humanity, this uh, liturgical, spiritual thing that uh, God has called us into is so that we are designed to need him. We're designed in our calling to need God. There is no spiritual thing that's possible without God. You can't do spiritual work without God. And Jesus fulfills that one also, right? Adam and Eve utterly fail. And the scripture's description of it is like immediate, isn't it? <laughs> like creation is finished. Yay, party. Oh, never mind. It's all over. They immediately fail. Uh, and yet Jesus comes and perfectly fulfills uh, that role that God had given to them. Jesus images God to the world. And again, part of how he does it is his rest on the Sabbath. And so we believe then, uh, as we are in Jesus, and we would teach uh, that there's a continuation. Right? If the New Testament does not do away with something specifically, uh, then there would be a continuation of it. Uh, Acts and the epistles would indicate that people continued to do the Sabbath, continued to gather the worship uh, for worship. The New Testament does away with the civil and ceremonial laws, but not the moral. Uh, and God's command to observe the Sabbath is rooted in the moral law, actually, the Ten Commandments themselves. Uh, and even before that, it's a creational institution. 
ultimately, we know that uh, our Sabbath is Christ Jesus, and we're going to come into the full Sabbath one day in the full presence of God, right? But uh, places like Hebrews 4, 9 say uh, that a Sabbath rest remains for the people of God. And then in Hebrews 10, the writer says uh, that we are encouraged to not give up meeting together, as is the habit of some. So I think our calling is two things in light of this. Uh, God is calling you to rest. God is calling you to rest. And I believe it's specifically in the observance of Sabbath. I think God is still calling us into this, to set aside the Sabbath, knock out your yard work, knock out your housework, your work work, whatever, uh, on Saturday to plan ahead, right? To plan uh, your exhausting workout or recreation on other days. To plan your kids' uh, athletic leagues on other days. This is super hard for a busy culture. This is super hard for a busy culture. Athens is not quite Atlanta uh, and what I've just come from, but we're all kind of in the same world, aren't we? Technology has made the world faster and faster. And what has that done? It's made us busier and busier, right? Now I can never get away from it uh, unless I just throw this thing in a lake or something. And yet I believe God is calling us into this. Now, Keeping the Sabbath is highly subjective, <laughs> right? Uh, it, when I say that, I think we're called to keep the Sabbath. Uh, what that does not mean is like, elders going to come knocking on your door if you're watching the NFLs, right? No, 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 no. That's not what we're talking about, right? Uh, we're talking about you keeping it uh, to the satisfaction of your conscience. Uh, you know, I talked about recreation a moment ago. I told you recently that, you know, being part of uh, being a pastor in this denomination means you go through like multiple levels of examination, et cetera. And um, so we have to talk about, hey, are there parts of our confession of faith, the Westminster Confession of Faith, uh, where uh, you disagree with something, basically? Do you take an exception to anything in there? And most of uh, the pastors in the PCA would say they take an exception to the idea uh, that uh, we should not engage in recreation on the Sabbath. That feels a little too constricting and maybe not in scripture, right? And so uh, I look at that and say, man, I, yeah, if what we mean is uh, movement and enjoyment at the same time, yeah, I don't think that the scriptures are, are calling us to that. But I, I would say it this way. I don't think it's your day. I don't think it's your day. I don't think it's my day to just do uh, whatever I want with it. We live in a world with Saturdays, first of all. So, <laughs> right? I, I do think there's, uh, there's an element where uh, we're able to do a lot of the things that for the ancients was profoundly harder, profoundly harder. Uh, God is not calling us into anything that is as hard as subsistence farmers and hunter-gatherers taking a day off. Not even close. None of his moral law is as hard for you as that. I promise. Okay. Uh, I, I thought of that as I was, I think I may have mentioned this at one point. We toured the Foxfire Museum up in uh, North Georgia. Have y'all ever been there before? It's wild. And they just talked about how, man, uh, these were this was subsistence farming 
it was seven days a week that you were working. And it just occurred to me like, yeah, when you're afraid that you might not eat, that's harder than saying like, hey, don't lie, <laughs> right? Uh, God cares about how you live your life morally, et cetera. God called them into something wild and countercultural. Uh, and I believe he's calling us into it. Uh, and I believe he's calling us into it in such a way where um, uh, you and the Holy Spirit figure out what this means exactly for you. I'll give you some guidelines, but I think you are called uh, to this. In the same way that Jesus is our rest, I think he will empower you to rest. It is incredibly difficult, but I think he will empower you to rest, right? And say, God, I know it'll be imperfect. I'm gonna mess this up somewhere, right? Uh, and yet I'm gonna step into this remembering and trusting uh, the good news of Jesus. And what, what does this rest do as I step into it in faith in the gospel? It presses the good news into my soul every week. It's spiritual rest. And the point is for us to, to rest in the work of Jesus. My work does not amount to anything uh, that merits anything before God, but Jesus does. I rest in his, and then I work from that. And you will rest in that eternally one day. And so there is a rehearsal of it that's going on. And so I think uh, at least this I'll leave you with in terms of a specific application. I think that we would be called then, you're here, so you're doing this, right? To be in worship on the Sabbath. To be in corporate worship on the Sabbath unless we're prevented. I would even encourage you not to take a day off during vacation. Right? Especially with uh, streams that we have now, uh, use the stream, use the Zoom uh, for Christ Community, or check something else out. That's wonderful. Or visit somewhere else. Right? That's wonderful. It's a great opportunity uh, to worship. Right? Because the Sabbath trains us. The Sabbath trains us to believe the gospel. The, the Sabbath shapes us into those who live in light of the gospel. Now. If you were at core with us uh, on Wednesday nights in the fall, you know what I'm about to say. You do not have to agree with me about uh, whether the Lord uh, calls us to uh, believe uh, in the Sabbath every week, right? In other words, one day that you are to set aside uh, entirely for rest and the worship of God. I believe that still applies for us the same way as the moral law does. But there are wonderful, godly Christians throughout history that have had different ideas on this, right? And so this is not something that's like, oh, mm, that church teaches X, Y, Z, so you got to believe that in order to be a member there. No, 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 right? Again, we're not going to hold you uh, accountable to what Garrett believes he sees in the scripture on this, right? Uh, the other option is a sense of that it's the Lord's day, right? That it's a time to gather together for worship, right? Uh, the, the, the church is together. And so we want to we wanna gather for that. Uh, but the Sabbath is, doesn't have quite the same uh, implication there. There's a little different sense. But even if that is your interpretation of what the scriptures are calling us to, we're still called into a, a physical and a spiritual rest, aren't we? Right? There's no theology uh, uh, within historic Christianity. There's no theology that I can find in the scripture of Sunday as just part of the weekend. Uh, for me to 
entirely use as I want, skip out on corporate worship, et cetera, right? So God's calling us to rest. You can determine if you think it's the Lord's day or the Sabbath and how that's gonna play out exactly, okay? But he's calling us to rest and he's calling us into worship there. Second thing, I'm gonna finish this fast. God is also calling us to work hard. God is calling you to work, absolutely. Uh, part of the curse of sin is that work is hard. It's reality. And, and yet there's also, I think, a sense in which even without the curse in our lives, God is calling us to hard work. It's good. It's good for us, right? Uh, God is calling us to work with effort. God is calling us to work with endurance. We can all get lazy. And scripture is pretty clear that laziness is frowned upon places like Proverbs, 1 Thessalonians, et cetera. God is calling us to work hard uh, in our workplace, again, uh, where we are, are bringing his flourishing to bear. God's calling us to work hard in ministry as well. If you're a follower of Christ, you're in ministry. God is calling you to work hard in ministry, reaching out. It's hard. God's calling you to it. Serving the body is hard. God is calling you to it, absolutely. Uh, and, and a readiness to dive in where you're needed to build the church, God is calling you to it, 100%. Uh, a real easy application of this, by the way, is that, man, we would love, because we know there will be some visitors on Easter. We would love for them to be able to have their uh, real little kids in particular in the back uh, and not crawling all over them as they are hearing the good news of Jesus. Uh, so I would love to challenge you. If you hear a request to serve in uh, the Grove that morning, would you take it? Would you step into this call uh, specifically on that day? C.S. Lewis uh, has a story called The Great Divorce. I don't know if you've read it. It's a short story. It's really, really good. Uh, he's a narrator who comes to kind of a, an allegorical version of heaven. Uh, and it's not at all what he thought it would be. He comes into this beautiful land on a bus with a bunch of other people who are kind of like fading away. And he says this, the grass hard as diamonds to my unsubstantial feet made me feel as if I was walking on wrinkled rock and I suffered pains. A bird ran across in front of me and I envied it. It belonged to that country and was as real as the grass. It could bend the stalks and spatter itself with the dew. And he goes on and talks about different things, but the, he, he didn't like it very much because it was too real for him. Uh, and the other people want to get back on the bus. They're done with it. They can't pick up the rocks. They're too heavy. The, the grass comes up through their feet, et cetera. I think it's a good spot for us to land here. God desires to give us something in Sabbath, in rest, something more real, something more true uh, than what we live in day to day. To pause every seven days, God desires to give us himself here, real life in himself. And he's calling us to step with him by faith into the true green pastures of his presence with us in Sabbath. Let me pray. Lord, it's a weird thing in our modern world to think about and talk about Sabbath. 
it can feel like a weird thing in uh, spaces that are are used to um, evangelicalism to some degree, which uh, I certainly am and have been, where we, my heart bucks against uh, anything you tell me to do, honestly. Uh, I'm softening to it by your spirit's power, but I, I know that I bristle to some degree. And so we ask that you would give guidance. Mm-hmm. We know that you are uh, a God who brings us into freedom, ultimately. And so if you're calling us to do Sabbath, we know it'll give freedom. And if you're calling us into thinking of this as uh, your day, the Lord's day, we know you'll give us freedom. And so we just ask, Lord, however you convict our hearts by your spirit, uh, that you would meet us here, uh, that you would give us that freedom in Christ Jesus, that you would press it deep into our souls, that we would rest in you. Even if our bodies don't feel it, would uh, you you quench the thirst in our spirits? Would you bring us into your rest, Christ Jesus? We pray in Christ's name. Amen.